today we have a first. No, it's not our first comic book feud, but we have a comic book feud. But I'm not sure that we have ever had a feud which pits man versus the supernatural. But here we are, and here we go. Not only do we investigate the earliest days of image in in what I call the happy image comics clubhouse the batting cages the barbecues the future plans when everybody was was just loving on one another big hugs big smiles but we go to the supernatural showdown between Todd McFarlane and God Todd versus God I was there there are witnesses here we go on an all new episode of Observations. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. I have been making comics for five decades. I got a foot in the 80s, last, last couple, last three years, three years, 87, 88, 89, 80s, all of the 90s, then the 2000s, then the 2010s, now we're in the 2020s. My, 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 my foot is, is, is in five decades. That's how long I have been doing this. Hired at 18 years old, never look back. This is my passion. This is my love. And talking about comics, the creation of comics, the, the exploitation of comics, because that's what, you know, all those toys are and those video games and those movies and those shows. That's the exploitation of the actual, you know, Source material. The source material is comic books. Many made in, in a golden age where, where, where guys were just hunched over, hunched over their, 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 their drawing tables, doing the best they can, trying to meet insane deadlines, but, but trying to get these in, incredible stories and art to market so that you can get them. I mean, you know, I, I, I've, I have not been to Japan, but all my friends who have, and, and it's just with, with like, it's just increasing how many people are, 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 are that I know. And, and my family, my, my, my kid went to Japan for like a month, a year ago. And he says, dad, they read their comics. They get them out of vending machines. They read them on the train and then they throw them in the trash and they dispose of them. But, but they, you can see them enjoying and catching up, but very few people then take them with them because they don't have the storage space to have all of them and they're like in you know in uh in phone book size editions it, it, it varies but the masses consume comics and and, and have o- overseas in a different way than we do but but it, it it is it is disposable it was meant to be a disposable entertainment industry just like cartoon strips and and boy did i love reading cartoon strips as a kid and someday we'll have to Talk about when they announced that they were going to give a dedicated original Star Wars strip uh, and, and start running it in the LA Times out here in Southern California. And of course, it went all over. And it was like, oh my gosh, I got Star Wars every day. I got at least three to four panels of Star Wars every day and, and, a, and a bigger story in color uh, on Sundays. Disposable entertainment was what comics was intended to be. And then fandom grew. Fandom really started taking foot in the late taking hold in the late 60s and 70s and then you had collectability and somewhere we surfed that wave right into 
where we are right here, right now. Where so it's a weird time for comic books, superheroes. Uh, the comic book market is in a, is in a weird flexy place. Uh, I, I feel like it's in a good place. I feel like it's it's gonna figure it out. The market knows when it can do better. The market knows when it can do better. The movie market, the TV market, and the combo. Everybody knows when maybe their best wasn't good enough. They didn't give uh, the best swing. And they regroup. And they start planning for the new next best effort. Because they want to entertain you. Most people I know, almost everyone I know in comics, got into comics for a passion and for a love. Uh, I've mentioned it in the past. Some of the peer group above me and my peer group, which is you know much much more the older set. A couple of the disgruntleds uh, when when we were younger and in our twenties were, were saying, "Oh, those guys got into it for the money. Get out of here! How about I didn't know how to do anything else, and I w- would love to sit home and draw comics all day long." That's the end of the story. That that that's the entire story for so many people who wanted to get in to the comic book business. No one got in thinking that they were going to make a a, a bunch of money. There's all various different manners and ways to go about making money. When they they talk about making money, what they're kind of saying is, you got into comics because you were greedy, which is, it's just hard to keep my face serious when someone says that to me. Because like I said, nobody gets into comics to, to, to be greedy. But here are observations. We talk about comic books, all things comic books, all things superheroes. And we cover the largest spectrum that we possibly can. And on a recent episode, because what are you all doing? Okay. Did you know that the highest rated episode of this show, this is fresh. I'm coming to you within a few days of the Cap Got a Gun and Batman Batman Did Too about the guns. And then we, I, I've got to believe it's because I talked to you about that Bucky printing error where Bucky's pecker, and I have looked at it nonstop uh, in the days since, because of course I went out to get it to provide you guys with a picture so that I could have it on my socials when it went up. I, I got to believe that's, you guys, the numbers on that episode went through the, the freaking roof. Like, like I was like, what is going on here? We basically blew through like the previous high record by 3 p.m. in the afternoon when, when, when the, the, cap got a gun episode aired and so i am convinced that now you know all you 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 dirty-minded people all you want is just um funny sex jokes to be told about all the comic book (laughs) funny sex jokes and look as long as we're doing that i did an entire episode on the underground artist the genius that is robert crumb and his hardcover uh retelling word by word line by line of genesis and if you want crazy kinky stuff i mean this, this is man this is this is this is a guy telling you about the story of life that the dawn of man and just i mean you want to talk about primordial and primeval uh, 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 primeval um man that th- this th- that stuff is uh there's some kink in, in there uh I, I i i'm sure that's why robert crumb did it he's like man there, there's never more naked people uh anywhere and certainly there's not more people having mass sex uh than, than there than there are in uh in 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 Sodom and Gomorrah and he's like, I'm sure the whole time he's like I'm almost there I'm almost to Sodom and Gomorrah I can draw that I can draw the crazy orgy scenes anyway uh you guys powered you powered the 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 cap got a gun to like insane I I I'm like can this chart 
they, they had to like put a new chart level in as the graph goes higher. You guys just showed up for that one. And, and, uh, I thank you. Uh, I literally, um, I, I, this, this year has been crazy. 2024 so far has been the largest audience ever listening to Rob's observations. And I feel an in, immense amount of pressure to, to give you guys, uh, you all something to be entertained by. And it, it's getting harder because man, I, we're, we're like 300 and what, how many episodes it's, 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 we're, we're pretty high up there. And, 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 and I, uh, I keep, you know, I, I keep trying to bring something, you know, something fresh that, that, that we haven't parsed and dissected. And, and we're going to do that again today a little bit, but uh, that, uh, cap got again. I, I hope some of it was that you didn't know about the cap serials, or maybe some of you truly didn't understand uh, Batman's relationship with the gun and then the shock and awe when they revisited it in the, in the 80s. Anyway, really proud of that episode. Happy uh, that, that you guys are jamming to these. And just thank you for uh, the, 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 the positive word of mouth. And thank you for showing up. And thank you for being uh, you know such, such a support uh, 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 of the show. I mean, uh, a couple of, of you guys have, have been telling me you, you play it in your stores and I just, that, that is absolutely like just brings the biggest smile to my face that, that, that some comic store is playing Rob observations. That just makes me, uh, I, I mean, literally that just gives me a kick because you know, so much of my youth was forged and, and, uh, so much of my love and my passion, like you, like you, in comic book stores, those Saturdays, you know, just getting lost in the back of the store, finding just a place to squat down and, and assuring the store that I'm going to read all, I'm going to buy all these, or I'm, I'm, I'm at least going to buy three or five of these, but I got to check them out. Um, comic stores, and, and I'm going to do this one, one more time, and we, we can't do it enough. They're your clubhouse. If you want them to stick around, go and give them your business. Go and give them your business. Before Christmas, I, 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 I went on and on on this show about how I purposely because the store that I used to clerk at is closest to to uh, John Wayne Airport, the closest one. Well, th- there's one closer, but I didn't clerk at that one. And Alakazam's great store. Love you. B- b- been to see you. I think I, I dropped by in the fall, filled up a box of cool stuff I bought. So love love Alakazam. They're actually, if I'm going to talk about, I mean, you're going you're gonna to fly over Alakazam as you land your plane in Orange County in, 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 in uh, John Wayne Airport. But Tustin Tunes and Toys, which is where I was clerking in 86 during the Dark Knight Batman uh, craze, the, the, it's my favorite store. And, and I figured I'm going to be in that area. I'll, sw- I'll swing by and I'll, you know, just uh, bide my time in the advance of, of my son's plane land. And I, I, I had an hour to kill and I wanted to kill it there. And I, I told you guys how I saw the consumers that all looked like me. They're, they're, they're in their 40s and 50s and they're buying comics off the wall. They're buying uh, CGC books. They're buying back issues. They're buying toys. They were buying the new comics. The, the registers were running. I, I was so excited. That is, uh, that's the practice we have to do if we want to keep our stores, our clubhouses intact because I was raised in a clubhouse and so were you. You peeled away, whether it was Wednesday or Friday or Saturday and you tried to spend as much time as you could in the magic of that store because it's everything you love. It's everything you love. I've tried to recreate kind of a, a, a comic book store in my own studio, statues, toys, comics, graphic novels. It's like my little mini comic book store. Come on in, sit down, grab a comic, sit in the 
in the leather chair. That's the guest chair. I'll sit in one of the office chairs and we'll just hang out. Um, comic books, I think, again, are, are, uh, are fighting back. I, I, think, I, think, I think they're fighting back. I think this year is going to be good and, and we will have some fresh stuff to talk about. But uh, got to keep our, our, our comic stores open. We got to keep these, these, these clubhouses in business. Remember, you know, maybe, maybe go and instead of whatever you're going to get on Amazon, go spend it at the store. Uh, and if they have an Amazon store, buy from that store. That, that's all I'm saying here. But you guys understand uh, that, that, that having this show played in a comic store is, is an incredible, like, wow moment for me. It, it may be like par for the course. And you're like, we listen to all sorts of comic book podcasts. Okay. I, it, it, it's new to me. It's new to me. So, so I am thrilled and I am so thankful again that you guys listen, that you're showing up and, and we are going to have a very interesting show for you uh, right here around the corner. Before we venture further into this podcast, we're going to do something a little different here today, and I'm going to actually read a review, uh, the, the, the reviews that you guys leave all over the place, but mostly they're visible on the Apple, uh, the Apple menu, the Apple podcast, where you can leave reviews. And no matter how I receive them, and several of you don't have Apple products, and so you're sending reviews to me, and, and, and I'm telling you, I, I have got so many to get to. We may double up in the next couple episodes. You guys are so generous and so kind. And uh, I, I'm going to read this in the middle of the episode. Ma- mainly we do them at, at the end, but I'm going to start mixing it up. And and this one here is, uh, st- we're still kind of at the top of the show. And I want to read this. This is from Chuck Norris, 1012. He left this on the Apple uh, review at the Apple, the podcast site. Uh, again, whenever you guys get those keyboards out and write these reviews. It is such a benefit to our show. I am so moved. I am so honored. And I could not even begin to thank you enough. Chuck Norris, 1012, writes, so grateful. He gives us five stars. Thank you, Chuck. He says, Rob, I'm so grateful that you have provided this insight into comics through your experiences and knowledge. This is my first listen whenever you release a new episode. As a teen, Your art inspired me to draw comics. Now, I love to listen to this podcast while I draw my own webcomic, Mercury Virus. Thanks so much for what you have blessed me with. Keep kicking butt. Thank you, Chuck Norris. And we are all going to be on the lookout for your webcomic, Mercury Virus. Give it um, a a look. Look out for Mercury Virus. Let's put it in the the search engine, Mercury Virus. Chuck Norris. 1012, thank you for that great review. Thank you for leaving that. Today's uh, podcast, today's subject, you're going to read this as a sort of a comic feud, and I'm going to save the best to last. Why wouldn't I? And the, uh, the most amazing part is it's, again, covering the image early years. I'll tell you what took me to this place is there is a, an interview in Comics Journal. It, it's not terribly recent it it was left around halloween i caught up on it a couple weeks ago and i made a note to uh you know see what i can incorporate into the show because i really enjoy the the look back through different eyes i think we're going to continue to get a lot of news and 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 uh stories and reflections from this period as we all get older we're all getting older uh, certainly i'm going to tell you right now I, I i wrote a book all summer long on flights, on trips, 
And uh, I'll, I'll tell you how that comes along. Uh, it, it, it's uh, it's going to have a name that's familiar to, to, to many of you, but uh, this feels like, you know, people are now digging deeper, sharing memories that they don't, they're, they're, they're not, um, th- that they're no longer inhibited by. They're just kind of letting it rip. They're just kind of letting it rip. And this one is by Larry Martyr, who was the publisher of Image Comics for so very long. He uh, he's kind of a director and publisher, and, and he wore many hats, but uh, not sure when we first hired him, he was his publisher, because we had a publisher, Mr. Tony Libido, uh, and and uh, many of you remember seeing his name in the, in the podcast. I guess when Tony left, he then added that title. But but Larry, I think, was director. He had some nice title. Uh, but he came in. He was the manager for the largest chain of comic book stores in Chicago. I believe that was Moondogs. I hope it's not Moonstone. I think it was Moondogs. And uh, Moondogs had, had the most locations at that time in the late 80s, in the early 90s. We worked alongside Larry to create the Chicago... Uh, 1992 Chicago Con tent. They put us out in a circus tent outside outside in the parking lot. So you had the rest of the Comic Con going inside. I'm sure this. <laughs> looking back now, I'm sure people were pissed. Oh my gosh, we, we were not doing ourselves any favor. I'm having this realization right now. We we're, <laughs> we're put in a circus tent, okay? And let me tell you something. I did a 24 hour signing. So and 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 to do a 24 hour signing in that circus tent. There was no shortage of people. I didn't sign off until like 4 a.m. Uh, that 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 morning. We kept it going. There were people lined up. Now during the during the regular day, the the, the first uh, you know the Friday that I was there, uh, it was myself, Mark Silvestri, Jim Valentino, Todd McFarlane, Eric Larson. Uh, Jim Lee couldn't make it. I think uh, his baby was incoming. Uh, his his uh, firstborn, if memory serves, and and he, I mean he wasn't there, and that's I believe why, why he um, couldn't make it. Completely understandable, but they were really happy to see the rest of us. They were really happy to see Mark and Eric and myself and Valentino and Todd. I'm not sure if Wills was there. Guys like Brian Murray who were doing Supreme were there. Uh, it was festive. It was definitely festive. We had. Just three books out, two Youngbloods, two Spawns. Everybody else brought their preview books, their ash cans, so that Jim and Mark could show their stuff off. It was in the break. Uh, there was a break room that they led us to in the hotel in between, and it was it was really cool, especially for Chicago. I had lived there, uh, as, I've, as I've, I've, I've talked on this show before, in 1985, the summer of 85, from, from June to September, I lived there. I know what a muggy, uh, thick, humid... Uh, Chicago, Illinois, summer feels like, and and we we just lucked out. The wind was br- w- the breezes were great. The wind was blowing. It was cool. We got to see so many of you. So many of you have shared that you encountered us or me or one of the others at, at during this tent. We put that together with Moondogs, who I think was the either the sponsor or the owner of the Chicago Comic Con at that time. Larry Martyr was the director of all the stores, and he had a uh, a title, you know. That, that went along with the show. I, I, I'm slowing down because I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to give the wrong title, but bottom line, Larry was the lieutenant and uh, 
he, he was running the show. He came out. He met with us. He talked to us. He put it together. He made the arrangements. And so we sh- showed up, and it was a giant success. Huge. Monster. And like I said, I just <laughs> I forgot. I never walked the floor of the regular Chicago Con during that period. And I had been there in 85, 86, and I believe 88. I had, I had visited Chicago Con for the, for the first time as, as a fan, fresh out of high school. And then the next summer, I wanted to go back. And, and keep, you know, uh, uh, dining out on this exciting new show because the only giant show on par with that at the time was San Diego. And this was back in the time when Chicago and San Diego were fighting it out for who could be number one and number two. Believe you me, believe you, they were, they were that close. The Chicago Comic Con was gaining. And at one point, you could feel the breath of Chicago Con breathing on San Diego's neck. It was kind of New York before New York, except it didn't pop and go to that next level. And trust me, I was there for all of this. but. We liked getting along with Larry. We, we enjoyed him so much. He had a lot of wisdom to give us. Larry had come from an ad background. I'm not going to remember the agency, but he always gave us these great stories about his days in the, in the ad business. Uh, and, 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 you know, when I watched Mad Men, which was my, and, and, and is still my favorite show uh, on television, I, I always think of the stories that Larry told us because so many of them were, there were familiar stories that played out with John Hamm and the cast, uh, you know, while I was watching that show while it aired, because Larry's a great storyteller. He's a cartoonist. He draws Bean World. I, I m- failed to mention that on top of all of this, Larry is an accomplished cartoonist and uh, draws and continues to put out new editions and collections of his Bean World comic, which is extremely uh, creative and innovative. And I highly recommend you check it out. Larry came into our life in this way, talking to Todd, talking to me, talking to Jim. And eventually, we knew that we needed more of an industry veteran in our image offices, which was mostly staffed by young, uh, young professionals, people who had come from printing, people who had come from sales, and then some people who, who we just trained up to do uh, basic, basic chores and assignments that would, excuse me for the word chores, but basic, basic assignments, tasks that would help get our, our, our collect, collective image comic central off the ground. Now, Larry in his interview gives some recollections of, of the early days. So in this recent comics journal interview, Larry says, uh, in answer to a question that uh, the interviewer asked and says, but you left image comics to go to McFarland Toys in 1999. How did that come, come about? Larry says, I have to say <laughs> that after Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld left, there was peace at Image. Nobody was fighting anymore, and a majority of the money that came into Image Central had come from their books. At one point, it seemed like Extreme and Wildstorm were putting out 15 to 20 books a month. Image Central was getting a cut of that, and all of a sudden, we didn't have that anymore. So I had to start bringing in books to Image Central. and." Uh, he then talks about the fact that uh, he was on the phone. He says, I was on the phone with an indie comics person explaining business points to them, and I'm holding his hand, and I'm thinking, why am I holding the hand of an insecure comic book creator? He gives no insight as to who he's talking about here. And again, this is, this is you know, years or, or in the aftermath of myself and Jim Lee leaving. And uh, he says, it's not the same 
is when I was trying to keep Rob and Jim and everyone from killing each other. I was just bored. I was bored for about a year, just totally bored. Todd was expanding his books. He had a writer's conference in Phoenix and he wanted me to come. And then he talks about they were eating dinner and then they went to see his wife Wanda play a softball game and he was coaching and critiquing uh, the, the game. And he says, uh, and Larry says, I don't know if he was the coach or not, but he was coaching and critiquing. And then he turned to me and he says, you bored, you, you bored in that office. And uh, you're bored. And he said, uh, yes. He goes, come with me, bud. I need you. So the reason I'm telling you this is, okay, a couple of things. Over the years, you guys have told, I have told you guys, I have specifically informed you that Extreme and Wildstorm paid the most money into the office keeping it run. Do you understand that if, if, if let's say Mark and, and Todd and Jim were doing one book a month, maybe max two books a month each, and then Jim and I are paying 20, are doing 20 books each. If we're paying a flat fee of $2,000 into the office, they're getting $80,000 from Jim and I and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, the, 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 they're, I mean, I mean, they're getting 12 from the other three, you know, the three partners combined. We, we didn't resent it. You did what you wanted to do, but I have told you guys this for years. And here's the guy who was running the show, informing you that that was indeed the cat, the case, but that's not the important part. The important part is he said that he had to keep us from killing each other and that, you know, there was peace. We were no longer warring with each other. And it made me think of the ruthless competitive times that we were in. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are more, uh, there are more detailed, uh, let's just say there's more dirt, uh, you know, to share in years to come, but it's not time yet. That time isn't, isn't now. We are, we, 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 maybe, maybe when I'm 66 in 10 years, I'll come and I'll give you some more of the nitty gritties. Okay. Uh, a group of us were talking not too long ago and some of this stuff came up and there's some information that I never had heard of and my mouth was on the floor, but it's inappropriate at this point. Uh, cause pretty much everybody is still working and that stuff wouldn't be appropriate. And it's, uh, it's extreme stuff. It's top cow stuff. It's wildcat stuff, but, uh, you got to keep listening. Okay. You got to keep listening. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, but it all got me thinking about those times and about those crazy things got really competitive. I would say in 94, that's when things got super competitive and everyone was t- trying for the same talent. And then there was, you needed inkers and colorists and people were starting to hop studios and there were giant pledges being made. I will not poach another while they're poaching another. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about myself. You guys think you know that there's some stuff, obviously, like I said, that thanks to the Blizzard, no, it's called Blizzard, what, that, that idiot magazine that was um, run by, you know, little wet dream fanboys. They just made up shit. They became voices for um, disgruntled. They, they started working angles. And you've seen it. You've been around long enough. A lot of my audience, you guys have seen what happens in the news. People get sources. People get... Uh, you know, they, they get their ally and that ally will print that side. I've told you when I won, I won the, the, the fighting American lawsuit. Marvel sued me. I won. I took them to court to challenge them. I won. Wizard said, Rob Liefeld, 
was told in court not to let Captain America throw the shield. Well, that wasn't part of the... Okay, they wanted the shield gone. They wanted the shield gone off Fighting American. That was the point. Not don't let him throw it. My Fighting American showed up with the shield because I was able to prove that Jesse... I'm sorry, love you, Jesse. That Grandpa Joe, Joe Simon, had depicted Fighting American with a shield on a cover of a book that predated Fighting American by about five or six years. And there was never any action taken on that. So we had the facts on our side. But again, given the sources, given the sources, uh, one source goes, yeah, let's not give the win. It was a clear win. I waited. Had we lost that, we would have had to pulp Fighting American. We would have had to to destroy the copies that we we were printed that we told that we had to hold on to and that we couldn't distribute. We didn't get those into your hands because we were given... we had to fight a temporary restraining order to release Fighting American into your hands. If he is not able to have the shield, that almost every page of that book had to be redrawn and we could not go to press as it was. So did we win? We won. The book immediately went out. People got it in their hands. It did phenomenally well. But again, the source would tell you Liefeld, Liefeld lost because he couldn't throw the shield. That wasn't part of the lawsuit. But again, that's the kind of stuff we were putting up with at that bunch of comic book juvenile delinquents uh and and honestly like every day we're just a better industry there are some people digital versions of them trying to pop up and and they are so easy to spot they play all the same griffs and all the same tricks and to that uh in in the words of robbie the robot beware beware okay i have a robbie the robot toy on my desk okay sometimes i show it on my whatnot stream uh beware danger danger okay um there was a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff you heard that you didn't hear. That stuff will come out in years to come. That's not what we're going to share today. Is that enough of a tease? So, on to sunnier times. Right when we formed, right when we banded together. Youngblood was out. The sales had come out strong. We sold through a million. Spawn is on the way. Todd wants us to all go visit his house in Washington. We're going to wrap this up with two visits to Todd's <laughs> Todd's house. If it was Oregon, I don't know. The Northwest, sue me. He had a house up there. I'm not good with maps. I just know it was up in the Northwest, okay? Uh, in my mind, it was Washington. Uh, really nice house. He had moved from Canada and gotten a really nice house. Uh, be- beautiful. Driveway, uh, I, I, you know, a driveway off the road that went down to a lower, you know, uh, you know, where his house was placed, it was really beautiful among the forest and, and, and really was settled in right there among all the trees. So beautiful. Great house. And he had myself, Valentino, Jim Lee, maybe Jim's wife at the time, uh, Mark Silvestri, I'm pretty sure Mark's girlfriend at the time, uh, Eric Larson, and possibly Wills. There was, it was so much because there were so many friends and family. Todd had... Uh, I think his his brother in law who was had a, had a had a store was also there, and Todd's assistant Terry, Todd's wife, obviously they had their 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 young baby, uh, and we all kind of gathered to basically under the auspices of we're all going to do this together, we're all in this together. This is the crew. This is the crew. This has happened. The books were launching. Uh, we had you know dinner, barbecue, hot dogs, burgers, grilled out on Todd's deck, his beautiful deck that overlooked all of these bushes. And Todd said, don't go down there. There's nothing but thorn brush. 
And I think a couple of us were like, it looks so fun. Let's go climb it. And Todd's like, I, I told you, it, it's thorns. It's thorn brush. And we were like, I, you know, look, I'm, I'm in my 20s. I, was, I, was, I got some scratches on my legs because the, 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 at that point in the 90s, it was the really, really short shorts. Okay. We got the really short shorts. And uh, I, I, I tore up my legs. I got all sorts of cuts. And I think Valentino went down with me. He had jeans on. But we were, we were like, let's explore this. Looks so great. Wow. You know, to, these, to, to our Southern California eyes, we hadn't seen this, this fun little forest. And so we crawled down in there and got cut up and then went back on the deck. And I think Todd was just so entertained by the, the, the numbskull uh, approach that we had. But it was just a great time. We had so much fun. We don't talk about the fun that we were having at that time. We had the world, the collective world, by the balls. And we had the best time. We had the best stinking time. And, uh, man, it was, it was just uh, tons of laughs, tons of smiles. We were dreaming. We were dreaming about the future, talking about each other's books, talking about, talking about each other's plans, how we can fold this into that. That may have been where Eric goes, can I have Bad Rock in Savage Dragon? Done. You know, it was, it was, it was just a bunch of handshake deals, r- ton of fun. Todd decides that he wants to take us out to, uh, like a sports park it, here in Southern California. It's more comparable to like the Camelot, but we, we have so many of them out here. There's some in Riverside. There's some in Corona. There's some up in, up in LA. There's, there's some, uh, in Huntington, you know, you got the, you know, the, the water boats and you got the batting cages and you got the golf course. So Todd's a big sporto. Todd was by far and away the best athlete of all of us. And he loved, baseball. he loved, he loved, he loved, he loved, he loved baseball. He played baseball in college. I believe he had a scholarship. So what does he want us to do? He wants to herd us over to the cages and let us all, you know, swing, take, take swings in the batting cages. So we got a number of different cages. And I'm telling you, everybody from Mark, his girlfriend, uh, Jim, myself, and most importantly, Valentino took our at-bats. So, so Valentino, of all people, when I said that uh, Todd was the most athletic, you'd probably think Mark was the next, you know, and then it's, it's you know, anybody's game from there. Mark was so big and brawny. Well, I was terrible. Get that right out of the way. I'm not good at baseball with a bat. None of it. I did my, I mean, I maybe took two, two, two rounds of uh, trying to, trying to hit those balls. I was terrible. I opted out. My, my, uh, my masculinity firmly in check. Didn't care. Went to the bleachers, sat and watched, talked to Todd's brother-in-law again, who, uh, who had a store and Jim Valentino, lo and behold, Jim Valentino at that point, maybe two to three packs a day. This dude, Jim, Jim, Jim could handle his cigarettes. He walks in there. I, I can still remember the, the, the Paisley pattern shirt that he was wearing and his blue jeans and his black shoes. He didn't even have tennis shoes. None of us did. We weren't really prepared. We weren't prepared to. Todd, of course, had his perfect. Okay, no one was better than Todd. Okay. Crack, 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 crack. Guy, great form. Perfect. Uh, no one was going to catch him. But Valentino walks in there, admittedly not an athlete, admittedly not, not, admittedly not athletic in any way, shape, or form. Crack. Miss crack, crack, miss crack, crack. He was, everyone's like, look at Jim go. And Jim got this smile on his face. Like shows you MFers. You know, like another thing you underestimate me. I mean, he literally just crack, crack, crack. And Todd's like, Valentino, bud, 
Uh, Jim was as bad as me. Eric may be a little better than both of us. Uh, Mark, same. There, there was <laughs> it was number one, number two, and then a bunch of crappies, just just absolute crappies. Uh, if, if Todd tells the story, I think I was looking away that one of the balls, if I remember correctly, I don't know. Did I think, I think Todd, Todd made 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 some some joke about somebody's balls. I think somebody got hit in the balls, but I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna incorrectly identify that. The bottom line is Todd was great, Jim was great. These are great memories. The cover to Wildcats number three with Youngblood and Wildcats. I inked there in Todd's studio on the floor. That's the kind of camaraderie we had going on. Todd had his desk that looked out, a window that looked over that group of trees, that forest, and he would ink. Every day it was Ink and Spawn. And to, since since Jim had the uh, had the cover, had the penciled line art, I wanted to do it and get it back to him all in one sitting. And so I was inking it there at Todd's. I actually think I have a picture of, of me and Todd in the what I call the image clubhouse days. It was a real clubhouse. It was a bunch of guys getting together. We were in the prime of our careers. We were we were the the top sellers in our business when we were gathered at Todd's hanging out, having a blast, laughing and anticipating uh, so much great success. But it was, the success was greater than anything we could have possibly imagined. But that was a, a true, it's, it's like one of those bonding, you know, getaways, a, a, a bonding retreat. Let's get the guys together and let's make them even more friendly and nice and kind. So Valentino crushes it. S- stories are planned. Guest appearances are shared. Everyone's excited about their books coming out. And again, we go and we have this great time. After that, we went to pizza. After that, sports park. Um, and we were all there basically the, best, the better part of two days. And we all went home. And we all felt like we could take on the world. It was great. But again, that Wildcats 3 cover, so much fun. Like I'm inking this cover with a quill, a pen and quill, um, on a backing board, sometimes laying it flat on the ground, propping it up on my, my knees. It was just so much fun. We had such a good time. Now, the reason that I'm bringing this up is, again, you, your memory stirs and you forget and you, you got to share these stories. You got to talk, talk about this stuff. You got to get it out there. And little, little would we know, you know, the different paths we'd all take, the competitive nature that would, that would continue to kind of absorb us and, and eventually kind of drive many of us in different directions. Uh, I mean, I, I've often compared Image to a band and, and it just couldn't have three lead singers. And uh, Jim left, I left, and uh, the rest stayed, and the rest is history, because Image is a kick-ass company. At no time uh, did you, have you ever found anything where I take a position against Image Comics. It is, uh, I, I am so proud, and, and so ridiculously, uh, just I swell with joy thinking about what we were able to accomplish and continue to accomplish. And, but here's where we get to the comic feud part. You thought it was going to be the Larry Marta part. It wasn't. Larry's comments are funny. He has great insights. Read that interview. It's great. Uh, he gives insights to all sorts of stuff. Stuff that, that I frankly had nothing, you know, there are st- stories uh, that concern the, t- the toy business and his making of his own comics that I didn't have any interaction with. But it's a fun interview. And him remembering that, he's not wrong. All of that sentence that I read to you was right. The, the 
peace that we had at that retreat did not continue. It got more and more competitive. No less than two years later, it was uh, it, it, it was it was getting more. I would say fierce and sharper. And I've told you guys before the scolding, the scolding. I'm getting my books out on time. It it kind of it just. We'll always have that great weekend. It was really fun. <laughs> All right, so to wrap this up, here's the good story. We were starting our central office, pulling away from Malibu, who had distributed our books for the first year, and we needed a, a publisher, a figurehead, somebody who could fly, meet with Diamond, talk uh, with other you know, business heads, and Jim Lee wrote a letter knowing that we were looking for this. This is the summer of 92. He writes a letter and he, uh, he submits just out of the blue. He, he had mentioned it, you know, in passing, but then we, saw, we, get a formal, uh, we get a formal submission in a letter that he sends to all of us. There is no email. These are letters. They get sent to us. Dear, you know, fellow image partners. And he goes on and on about a friend of his who he thinks would be a great fit in, at Image Comics and would facilitate our needs as publisher as best as possible. And he lists his accomplishments. And the one funny thing, because it is the thing that Todd and I got a chuckle out of because we were a couple of little brats. Uh, I said it, we were a, little, a couple of little brats during this time. This is probably the time Todd and I were at our absolute tightest. We just were having so much fun together and laughing, and, and giggling, and uh, <laughs> Todd goes, oh, why did this guy jumping off cliffs, in, 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 why, why, why is this guy jumping off cliffs, cliffs in Thailand, have anything to do with running a, a, a publishing company, because in Jim's letter, he said, and so-and-so, who, by the way, never got hired at Wildstorm. Okay, this guy never emerges again. But at this point, Jim has submitted him to that he would be the perfect candidate for us as publisher. And he said, and he has jumped off the cliffs in Thailand and swam in the water. It was this very kind of poetic. Uh, and I'm like, and Todd and I are like, what does this matter? And I mean, literally, Todd and I couldn't hold our faces when we read this to each other. Jump! He jumped off the cliffs in Thailand. Um, <laughs> I guess one night in Bangkok uh, makes you uh, an image publisher. But uh, Todd wanted to act swiftly. He goes, Bud, who you got? <laughs> he goes, Bud, who you got? Who you got? You, you, you got somebody? I said, I, I don't really know anybody who we could be as publisher. And then I said, I got a buddy. His name's Tony. He uh, worked at, and it is still to this day, the largest uh, air conditioning. They, they, they don't do houses. This is the largest corporate industrial air conditioning business. Uh, it's a construction firm in Orange County. Uh, and, and Tony had worked his way up the ladder and was a, an executive there, young exec, really booking a ton of jobs. And what he does is he goes out to your building and there was a lot of buildings going up in, in North Orange County and he would give you a price on, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to air condition all those giant high rises? Well, that's what control air did. He would go, he would survey the land, he'd walk it, he'd give a bid, he'd enter it, 
he was in the corporate business world and this was booming. And I told Todd about him. He goes, bring him to the house. Bring, bring him up, up to the house. Uh, let me, let me get to know him. I said, are you serious? And I'm like, wow, this is weird. Now I'm talking to my friend. All I did was bring him up. And this is to counter the guy that jumps off the cliffs in Thailand, whose name I will never remember. But what I do know is, and no, you're going, is it Brandon Choi? No, Brandon Choi was co-writing Wildcats with Jim. This was some guy, entrepreneur spirit. I remember that entrepreneurial spirit, all this stuff. Jim is pitching him. Mark and Valentino, nobody is excited about this guy, but Todd wants to move and fill the position immediately so that we don't get any more letters about guys uh, jumping off cliffs in Thailand and swimming in the oceans, okay? Uh, I, I get it. It was meant to, you know, portray his daredevil spirit, but Todd goes, bring him to the house. Bring him. So I said, Tony, can you go to Washington with me this, this weekend? And so we book a flight. Tony Lobito, uh, yes, it sounds like the libido of the sexual kind, but it is, it is spelled differently. You would also know Tony as one of the co-creator creator participants in Evangeline. So, because he married Kathy Christian and they, we cut this deal and Evangeline became my number one selling book for that period. Uh, so obviously I have a lot of affection and I know Tony very well, but I think this was getting over his heads, but we was protected. It's kind of like, you know, I don't want to compare him to a quarterback who has a Hall of Fame tight end and a Hall of Fame running back and a Hall of Fame, you know, receiving core and a Hall of Fame, you know, defense that protects him and protects the score all the time. But that's kind of what it was. It was was like an insert guy in chair, answer phone, go take trips, meet with Jeppy, meet with, uh, you know, meet with Steve Shanes, bring orders. Tony learned a lot during his time. Of course, you, you know, he got the job, but you don't know how it happened. Tony is the most gregarious, friendly guy uh, that, that m- most people, nine out of 10 people love him. He's funny. He goes out of his way to be friendly. He, he's, he's, uh, he's a great listener. He's just, um, is now when I tell you that he was, he was my best man at my wedding. Okay. So I bring Tony to Todd's and we go up there and uh, Todd is just, Talking to Tony, asking about what he does, the construction, the air conditioning, the executive position. And he goes, oh, seem qualified to me, bud. Seem qualified. Are, are, are you prepared, Rob? Uh, what, what do you think? And I'm like, what do I do? Right in front of my, you know, Todd McFarlane, say, hey, 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 hey uh, best friend, you're not, you're not qualified. It doesn't matter. It was a small operation. We we're going to have five people. We had to make a catalog. We had to get our terms with the distributors. And those were terms that we were directing. Jim Lee and Todd from the business end and Jim Valentino heavily were um, contributing uh, to, 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 to the best possible terms that we could run during that time. So we needed a guy to advocate on our behalf with printers, with distributors. Tony became really uh, a great a- a- a voice f- for us through through the printers that we were working through, they loved him. They would come out uh, through Tony is when I met uh, Gabe, who showed us all the samples, the Mirror Coat Brigade, uh, number two, the Rub the Blood, uh, Blood Strike number one, every single one of what we call the gimmick era. Gabe, rest in peace, he is long past, 
shared that stuff with us. I met and, and I had a good relationship with Gabe through Tony. Tony's just a gregarious, friendly guy. But Todd was ready. Said this guy passes. It was myself. It was Todd. It was Todd's wife Wanda, and it was their little daughter and Terry Fitzgerald again, Todd's right hand man. Uh, Cyan is is their little daughter. She's just incredibly adorable. And uh, that was a really another really fun weekend. We had dinner. We went out. We hung out. We spot. We we, we just uh, talked. And I think Tony's like, wow. And we gave Tony a good deal, incentivized him to leave the uh, upward track that he was on. When Tony left, he went back and he went even further uh, in the business world than, than when we had um, than we had left off with him because Tony's, you know, known success in business wherever he goes. But one night, and Todd would cop to, he would openly admit, it's, it's not the first time he told us that he listened he listened to Christian talk radio. And he goes, oh, I, I, don't, I don't believe none of that stuff. I, 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 know, I, I know you do, but I, I don't. I, I, just, I just like listening. I, I, like the, I like the teachings and the arguments. I, I, I just like to know. So he said that he was listening to an evangelist named Chuck Swindoll. Chuck Swindoll, I went to school with Chuck Swindoll's daughter. We were very good friends. And we, both Tony and I, had gone to Chuck Swindoll's church in Southern California. So this was even more like, you listen to our personal pastor? <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, it's all bullshit, but, I, <laughs> but I, I, I love it. So that night, we're in his um, really, really comfortable living room, these circular couches, g- great, really comfy, uh, just setting. It's myself, it's Terry, it's Wanda. Cyan has been put to bed, Tony, Todd. and. Todd starts going off on religion, and he says, You know why I don't believe in God? Now, what I have failed to mention is that there is a raging storm. I mean, lightning and thunder outside. All right. Great sound effects, Rob. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, it was coming down. And Todd goes, I'll tell you why. I, I, I don't believe in God. And he casually gets up and he walks over to the light switch and he, cl- and he turns it off. And we are now in a fairly dark, there's a, there's a light over in the kitchen that is giving us some light. But for the most part, we're, we're sitting in the dark. And Todd, we can see Todd's shadow figure standing. Uh, he walked up the steps of the room to reach the, uh, the, the light switch and he turned the lights off. And now I'm going to have to back up from the mic because I don't want to blast it or break it because I'm going to try and give you an, an, an accurate. Now, some of you, I think, were there at, at Wizard World, maybe 1998 or 1999. I told this on stage at a Todd McFarlane roast. So this is not the first time maybe some of you have heard this, but Todd then stood away from the, uh, he, he walked a little away, distanced himself from the light switch. We're in a dark room and he goes, God! Turn on the lights. God, turn the lights on. God, turn the lights on. And he screamed. Turn the MFN lights on. Nothing. He goes, all right, next up, Satan, turn the lights on. And we're like, what the hell? And I looked at Tony and Tony's like, what in the hell have I gotten into? And he looked concerned. And Todd, and I'm just like, this is wild. This is rad. And Todd then stands and he gets his, he points, he points 
at the light switch. Satan, turn the lights on. Turn on the lights. Wanda and Terry are just like, it's another Saturday night in the McFarlane house. And then Todd goes, allow me to turn the lights on. And he flicks the light switch. And he goes, God couldn't turn on the lights. Satan couldn't turn on the lights. I turned on the lights. I must be God. And I was like, wow! Like, the theater! This was, you would have paid a ticket for this. You would have paid top dollar to be a part of what I am telling you right now. This was spectacular entertainment. I was completely caught up. I, I, was, I could not have been more thrilled to see this form of theater. And Tony literally was like, what the hell was that? I'm, I'm, uh, what's going on here? Because I mean, against the backdrop of the dark and Todd summoning the force, <laughs> summoning, <laughs> summoning supernatural forces, Tony is like grabbing the pillow and the couch. Like, and this guy is asking God and the devil to turn on the lights. I'm God. I turned on the lights. You guys, that needed to be shared. That needs to be heard. Uh, I, I am. It would be a tremendous disservice if the only time I told that story was at the Wizard World Awards. But your comic book feud for this week, Todd versus God. Uh, I'm sure at the Todd in the Todd McFarlane House Advantage Todd. Okay, so Tony left, and he was the publisher. All because we got a letter about a guy who was diving off cliffs in Thailand. And Todd's like, oh, hell no. Hell no. Is that guy going to be the publisher? Tony Fitz, you're good. You're a good fit. Good for you, Tony. And uh, and that was that. And uh, like I said, I'm not sure if that, that letter comes. I, I could have maybe been at a bus stop and said, there's this guy right here in a green sweater and a beanie. Uh, you want me to bring him? to Bring him. Bring him. Uh, Tony, right place, right time. Uh, Jim's letter, wrong place, wrong time. Uh, look, while Tony was there, nine, the years of 93 and 94 were very, very, very uh, buoyant. Buoyant. It's buoyant and bravura. But it's buoyant. We were buoyant. We sold a lot of comic, comics. We, sold a, we moved a lot of copies. Darker Image. Death Blow, uh, the new Bloodstrike book, Prophet, uh, Stormwatch, the, the, you know, uh, uh, Mark spinoff books from Cyberforce. It was a huge time. We really did just need a guy, you know, a system quarterback during that time. And, and Tony fit the bill. And later on, uh, when Tony left, again, Larry took on those uh, responsibilities. And Larry in this interview tells you that after Jim and I left, Things were peaceful, and I did. I laughed out loud when I read it because he's, he's right. There was infighting, and there was competition, and uh, Jim's got his own reasons uh, for why he left. Uh, there's, there's all sorts of stuff uh, to, to examine in that regard. I've done countless episodes giving you the receipts, the timeline, the faxes, the memos. You cannot change times and months. You can't make it work in detail when I left, uh, but the early days were fun. And even, even the competitive days were fun. It caused us to be a little more creative. But comic book feud for the day, Todd McFarlane versus God. Kind of also Todd versus guy from Thailand uh, jumping off cliffs uh, versus God. 
Uh, Todd won both showdowns uh, on my scorecard, and uh, and and that that I think is how it's going to be recorded in the books. Thank you, as always, for listening to these stories of the comics industry. Sometimes you just got to entertain. Today it was about entertaining. I hope you were entertained. I hope these stories. Uh, if if you see Todd sometime, ask him about the time he asked God to turn the light on and asked the devil to turn the light on. It is a barn burner. It is one that will never leave me. Uh, I wish there were more eyeballs on it, but it is his memory that Tony and I will always share and get a huge, tremendous. Again, it's theater. Todd is so it, he he. There is so much theater in his gig. It's great. It's entertaining, and I I am so glad I shared it with you. We already did our reviews for the show, so let me uh, just share with you that you can catch me on multiple social uh, media platforms. Please uh, follow me on. X, formerly known as Twitter, I am Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D, Robert Liefeld on Twitter, on X. I love reading your replies, your mentions, all of our back and forth. I appreciate it so very much. Thank you for uh, just just all the, the interaction that we have. It is so fun. It is, it is uh, extremely uh, entertaining. I love talking to you guys. So follow me over on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Robert Liefeld. I got a blue check uh, next to me that tells you, tells you that i am the real deal i am verified um that that is that that i am legit over on instagram that's where i share my pictures and of what i'm working on my 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 drawings sometimes inking uh what's what's going on in my studio with my family my dinners my food the places that i'm traveling to it is such a fun app i love it i love instagram i'm at rob liefeld over there just r-o-b-l-i-e-f-e-l-d also a blue check signifying to you uh that uh that 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 that's that, that I am the real deal. I love reading your messages, your responses, uh, all of our interactions, your DMs, your replies. Thank you so much for interacting with me on both Instagram at Rob Liefeld and over on X, formerly known as Twitter. I got to say it at Robert Liefeld. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you guys over there. Uh, th- those are two of the key places that you're going to need to follow me for more updates on The Last Blood, which is my new project, my new book launched. We sold out our opening night offerings. We have so many more on the way. We cannot wait to share them with you, but you're going to get those alerts uh, from, from, from social media. That's where I, I generally let the noise, uh, you know, I, I bang the drums, whether it's my Instagram post, my story, or over over on X Twitter, I, I, I make, I, make a, I, I send a tweet because I don't know what, what send an X means. I want to invite you to check us out over on Facebook, we have a group. It's a great group. It's called Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme Beyond. That's the group. Come see us. That is the group. Mar- Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond. And we have a ton of great uh, posts and threads. We have art contests. I have a co-administrator who runs the boards with me. His name is Terry Sala, S-A-L-A, Terry Sala. If you see him, one of the two of us are going to click you on through for membership. Many of the topics that we discuss here, we um, go deeper on. We, 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 uh, we, we go f- further and, ha- and have even greater discussions about each and every one of the topics on Rob Observations in that forum, in that group, Rob Liefeld, Marvel, Extreme, and Beyond. Great vibes, positive vibes. We talk comics, uh, we talk events, and we would just invite you to be a part of it. Super good vibes. We don't do the negative stuff. We, we don't tolerate that at all. We're just there to, um, to have fun and, and keep the good vibes going and to discuss uh, so many of the topics again that we've discussed here. So join us. Rob Life of Marvel Extreme and Beyond is a group on Facebook. I would love for you to be a part of it. The Last Blood is my new offering. We went live with it this week. It's sold out. Um, 
I think you guys are going to dig it. We, we, we literally offered it blind. Um, we, we literally offered it blind and it sold out. You haven't seen any interior pages, but I want you so much to interact with it. I want you to dig it and, and, and I, I want you to be able to find it and you can only find it on the whatnot app. Download the whatnot app. Follow Rob Liefeld. Follow me. Rob Liefeld, find my account, hit, g- give me a follow. You'll get alerts. You'll get notifications when I go live. We're going to increase our visibility and our, the amount of shows that we're doing. I also have signed exclusive comics, variants, toys, Deadpool stuff, X-Force stuff, cable stuff, all of my Marvel work, my IDW stuff, my G.I. Joe stuff, Snake Eyes, all of my extreme work. But Last Blood is alive. It is available exclusively at this time from my Whatnot live streams. Please join me on Whatnot. Such a great app. Go to the App Store. Get the app. There is so much going on and whatnot. You can buy jewelry, sports memorabilia, jerseys, sneakers, kicks, uh, trading cards, game cards, and of course, Funko Pops toys. We do comics, toys, Funkos. Uh, There's there so much Deadpool merchandise coming in as well due to the avalanche of, uh, of Deadpool 3 stuff that we can't wait to share all of that with you. Last Blood, find it with me over on whatnot. We have gone a little long today. I have loved being a part of this show with you again. I hope you got a kick. I hope you got some laughs. It's, it's important to share the good times and the fun times. I hope very much that your mental, emotional, physical, and uh, spiritual beings are, are, are in their best place. That that is that that is my hope uh, for you. Get your um, your 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 yourself off the grind. Life can be like a treadmill, and and sometimes it's going crazy, and the speed's too too high, and we're going too fast. And we got to step off. Have a great meal with your friends. Enjoy your family. Have a pizza. Have a burger. Have a hot dog. Have Italian. Have 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 tacos. Okay. Have you know chimichangas. And also, come on, guys. It may be a quickie. I got to get through this. Reese's peanut butter cups, the big cups. Those are my recommendations. I got a two pound big cup for Christmas. It's in the refrigerator. I just stared at it. How am I ever going to penetrate that thing? How am I ever going to make a dent? But it gives me great pleasure. You got to step away. My son and I, we were talking at dinner the other night about the importance of just getting your me time to read your comics, your graphic novels, your books, your, 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 your summer read, whatever, you know, best-selling mystery book. Spend time with your loved ones. Go see a movie. Get on that recliner, that beanbag, just chill. That is my prayer, my hope for you. I hope you are doing great. Fist bump, boom, right through. Please don't leave me behind. Come back, find me here. I know that you're going to be listening to that uh, uh, Bucky's Pecker uh, Batman gun episode again and keep that thing climbing. It is insane what you guys showed up for. Thank you so much. Come back. You know it, I know it, because we most certainly, absolutely, and inevitably will talk again. Real soon.